0: Welcome to the Cashflow Legends podcast with your hosts, Nate, Brandon, and Brock. Remember, our insights are not direct financial advice, so consult with your financial team before making any decisions based on the topics discussed in this show.
1: All right, welcome back to Cashflow Legends, where we spend a lot of time teaching you how to rethink your thinking so you can keep more of what you earn, so you can earn more of what you keep do us a big favor to start off with hit those likes subscribes if we're bringing any value to you shoot us an email if you want to at cashflowlegends with a z at @gmail.com good morning
2: Nate and Brock how are you guys doing today man i am on fire i'm playing the number 2 course uh in 50 today so i'm i'm ready to go low as they like to say go low okay i
1: have played I am golf with Brock smashing <laughs> smashing watch out now
0: Okay,
1: so, Brock, in the world of golf, are there some preconceived notions or mental handcuffs, if you will,
2: that you've had to overcome as your game has improved? Oh, yeah. One of them being I do not have to swing as hard as I possibly can (laughs) when when I'm trying to hit the ball, nor do I have to hit it the furthest among everybody in my group. Okay, and... How have you learned that? Like, what have been some eye-opening moments to learn that? Um, playing with friends of mine who will hit the ball 50 yards shorter than me, but yet their scorecard will be a whole lot lower than mine.
1: Would you say that okay. in golf, 80 to 90% of casual players, which you're beyond a casual player because you play more than most people, but 80 to 90% of people – think there's only one way to play golf. Therefore they get stuck in never growing or improving. What do you think?
2: I would probably say so. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh Nate, you are a hooper. Okay. You like to shoot ball with your kids. You play ball all the time. I know that as we age, we get smarter, hopefully, even if our bodies don't do exactly what they used to 20 years ago what is a moment of clarity that you've had in shooting hoops that you wish you would have had when you were 16,
0: 17, 18? Dude, uh, mechanics of shooting. Like I had a buddy of mine who's ironically one of our clients um, who he, when he was in high school, he went to state championship two years in a row. Like he was, he was legit. Uh, Ended up playing college ball for a little while. So, he was working with my boys. He was doing some private lessons with my boys, teaching them proper mechanics of shooting. And I'm just sitting there watching them practice and I start applying some of the things that they're doing. And I'm like, holy crap, this works. <laughs> um and once you can uh once you can become repetitious in those mechanics and and it just becomes muscle memory, like the the quality of your shot just changes and it's a it's amazing
1: okay so i heard two key things from both of y'all's examples that i'm gonna try to link together here is that there are these things that go on in our mind almost subconsciously that often can be like invisible handcuffs it can lock us into a process or a mode of thinking that is not giving us the result we want but we keep doing it. And one of the ways that I heard both of you say that you unlock those invisible handcuffs, so to speak, is you spent time around people who were being successful at a level you wanted to be successful. Okay, so let's bring this over to money mindset. How many of you out there think that there are invisible handcuffs that are keeping you locked into a norm that is not giving you the results you want. And we talk a ton about the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, you know, some version of that. Um, Guys, you each both talk to people daily and you get to deep dive into their thinking about money and mindset. Just on a very simple level, how often do you see societal norms, creating invisible handcuffs for people and maybe give an example that you saw recently and that you've experienced and you've found the key to unlock. Nate, go ahead.
0: So I think more often than not, whenever I connect with someone, one of the statements I hear is I always felt like there was something else I could be doing. I just didn't know what it was. And and i think that's becoming more and more uh prevalent to in our in our society today especially when people start looking at what the news media is doing and they start questioning other things that are out there and then they start looking at what they're doing with their money and they're like well maybe 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 this isn't exactly what you know everybody's told me it is so this idea that um this underlying feeling that there's just, there's something that other people are doing that I need to figure out. And uh, getting in the right rooms, um, we always talk about how important your network is, and I was meeting with a contractor yesterday, and that was kind of what he brought up was like, I know how to make money, but what I see everybody else doing, I don't want to participate in, But I've never felt confident in doing something outside of that. So instead of doing something different, I'm doing nothing by just holding on to what I have. And and he said, this is the conversation that I've been needing, but I just didn't know how to get that conversation going. So being able to lay out a plan for him and give him some options, some opportunities of ways he could create the certainty control efficiency with his capital that we always talk about and giving him a place of future net worth through the form of death benefit that he can work backwards from and now get to enjoy his assets and everything like that. That was, you could just tell his, you you see people's eyes light up and you start to hear confidence restored in their voice and they start to feel like, okay, like I'm, it's possible for me. Like, I can still make these things happen. Like, I can still achieve these things that that I've been hoping for and crossing my fingers for, but didn't know how they were going to work out.
1: So, Brock, what are some societal norms that you see with people you get to work with that are indeed invisible handcuffs that are locking them up to accomplish the things they want to accomplish?
2: A few of these things may be around the aspect of Holding on to cash, Um, one question that I typically ask is how is it that we, and I'll include myself in there sometimes, we may be uncomfortable sitting on six months of cash, whether that's income or expenses, but yet Warren Buffett is okay with sitting on billions of dollars of cash. And the reason that we're scared is because, oh, we'll we'll lose to inflation. Our money's eroding if it's just sitting still in a bank account. No offense, but I mean, a couple billion dollars is probably losing a lot quicker than uh, $50,000. <laughs> and when you begin to learn how to become an, a better investor and realize that you don't always have to be invested all the time, Then you become choosier in the investments that you invest in. Another one may be um, when I'm looking at things like people saying, oh, well, they're diversified. I'm diversified. And then you look at their uh, balance sheet and the only thing that they have of any type of asset wealth would be their home outside of the stock market. And no offense to those people. I think that's great. However, if the Titanic would have rearranged its furniture, would it have still sunk? Because at the end (laughs) of the day, if all your money is in the stock market, whether that's in a brokerage account, in a retirement account, and maybe another retirement account, maybe you might be diversified across a, a, a tax perspective, but you are not diversified across asset perspective. And true diversification comes across assets, not just solely in the stock market. And most people will get sucked into, oh, well, you know, I want to invest in real estate. And their investment advisor will take them back and say, okay, well, here's a REIT. Here's something that you can invest in. Uh, Guess what? That's still in the stock market. And most people are told things like, you know, high risk equals high reward. No, it doesn't. It means higher risk of loss. And other things like, oh, well, investing in real estate is riskier than investing in the market. Well, not really, because I have way more control over my real estate property than I do my Walmart stock, because I can call my property manager over my property, and I can sell it if I want to, whenever I want, and I can make changes, I can raise rents, I can lower rents, I can do whatever I want. I cannot call Sam Walton and ask what's going on with his stock mm-hmm. and make a change when i
0: well, and you also, you know, this is very relevant right now to what we've seen in the last few months. You also can't control the the decisions that companies make that impact their their value. So like Bud Light, as an example, you know, they came out with a spokesperson that a lot of people had a problem with and they lost a ton of money over it. Well, if you're sitting there holding that stock, you have no control over that process whatsoever. Um, so, but, but don't, the, don't worry the,
2: at, at some point it'll come back up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I'm sure there's a whole lot of money managers trying to convince people to stay in, uh, you know, you're in it for the long haul. Um, you know, what you said earlier about, uh, people feeling like they always have to be invested was a, a conversation that, that I had, um, and something that, uh, one of our personal mentors, Garrett Gunderson has taught us and I remember him telling me that that story of people feel like they always have to be invested in something but they don't recognize that it would be better for them to have a more efficient place for capital to be held than for them to be chasing returns in something they don't understand and they can't control
2: so I have I have sorry before you move on there Brendan, no go ahead to good point you got there Nate so when it comes to investing I've got a few rules which sound a lot like invest in things that you have a high degree of control in, invest in things that you know and have expertise in that you understand and don't chase rates of return. What most people are doing is going outside those rules. And when you go outside those rules, you're not actually investing. You're speculating, you're gambling, you're hoping for the future. And at the end of the day, hope is not a good economic strategy. And what most people don't consider when investing is their peace of mind. When you invest, it should be for a better future or a better life today. And when we are investing in things that we have no control, no understand, no knowledge, and we're trying to chase a rate of return because somebody said, oh, this is a good stock or this is a good investment, this is a good whatever, one, we're probably already late to the game. But two, if that investment begins to crash or it begins to fall, most people don't take into effect the, the effect that it has on your productivity within your mind. Mm. Because as Mm -hmm. you, it's called the pour over effect, but if there's one area where you're crumbling and you could look at it in like the crash of 08, when everybody's market, their brokerage accounts, retirement accounts were falling, Most people fell into a scarcity mindset and that scarcity mindset not only affected their market assets, but then moved everywhere else into how they treated other people, how they communicated, how they went about their daily lives because everything was coming from a negative connotation because money was involved and it became emotional.
1: So that is a powerful, powerful statement. I really want to touch on that for a second. I'm gonna use me as a personal example. Several different businesses. When I hit the ground running with entrepreneurship, I mean I went all in. I became addicted to it. Literally, good for good or bad. Okay. I've learned a ton the hard way fast. So there's been a lot of things that we've had to figure out tax wise. And Nate and I's company we have and other companies that I have that I just feel like there's been a lot of failure on my end. Okay, and it's just being real transparent. I, I don't feel like I've done exceptionally well in this. But I told Nate, because of all that failure, I've really kind of begun to really get clarity on finding the keys to the invisible handcuffs, so to speak, in this a- area, because I've failed so fast or we have failed so fast that I know what questions to ask now. And the point you just made about peace of mind if my brain cannot focus a hundred percent on the goals that are in front of me, that is drag or lag, you know, whatever word you want to use. It's like sticking out an anchor on a boat and trying to take off and go as fast and as efficient as you can. Okay. So you said something about diversified and I've never said it this way, but I'm going to use it and ask it when we're having these awesome conversations with potential members or members. When somebody tells me, well, I'm diversified, I'm going to ask, are you diversified in the things that matter to you the most? And most people want diversification of freedom of time, energy, and what they feel like they're called to do. And when you ask them, do they have that diversification? They're like, well, no. Okay, so what you're saying to us is that you're not accomplishing what you want to accomplish with the resources you have. So something is broken. Do you want to fix it? And if you don't want to fix it, this is your choice. And that's okay. You're now making a conscious, self-aware choice that I'm going to stay in this rat race, whatever it is, that's going to keep me detached from the diversification of freedom, certainty, control, peace of mind, clarity, mission. Cause at the end of the day, all three of us agree passionately that we are on this earth for far more than just collecting a paycheck and going on vacation.
0: So Brandon, you know, you kind of opened up a little bit, shared a little bit of vulnerability and I'll, I'll go right along with, with that, that thought, because as Brock was talking, I was thinking about, <clears throat> uh, what I experienced in 2020, um, so i found myself uh i have been guilty in the past of chasing returns um i got caught up in the crypto craze a little bit and started seeing some things happening and i started throwing some money out there and uh, everything was rock and rolling so i kept kept going and kept going and then um 2021 happened and everything like end of 2021, everything basically crashed. Everything came back down, not only came back down to earth, but went below the earth, so to speak. Um, (laughs) and Brandon knows this because we, we share a lot together and we go through that, um, that mental, uh, block that I experienced during that time, that deflation that I started feeling, um, And even really that imposter syndrome that started kind of creeping in where I'm like, I'm a financial educator and, and I'm out here doing these stupid things that I, with, with money. And I didn't really understand what I was doing. I was just chasing what everybody else was chasing. Like what gives me the right to continue to teach other people how to manage their money properly? That was really hard for me to, and, uh, And it took a long time to overcome, but it reminds me of, uh, again, talking about Garrett, the story he tells about in 08, how he had a whole bunch of real estate stuff that was going on. And he's at a financial conference where he's like the headline speaker for the event. He's about to go out on stage and he's back behind the stage talking to his realtor or A bank or something like that about how everything was basically just falling apart and then he had to walk out on stage and teach other financial advisors proper ways to manage their money and he said walking out on that stage i just had a moment of clarity and i just said guys i'm i'm here to teach you about money but let me just let me just tell you i just got off the phone with my real estate people and, and I've made a mess of my situation. And he said it was the most powerful moment in the room that he's ever experienced. Because vulnerability is where true accountability can actually step in and take place. Because if we're not willing to be vulnerable, then we're always gonna hold back, we're always gonna hide these things that we're trying to hold on to. and we don't have the ability to get help from someone else who, has the tools and the, the resources and the encouragement and conviction to actually pour into us and give us those tools that we need and give us that help that we need.
1: Brock, what's what's jumping into your
2: mind there? I've got a couple of thoughts, but you go first. Um, 100% on the fact of vulnerability. And one of the things that I would say we all need to realize we're not invincible just because you might be a financial advisor, educator, president, CEO, whatever it is. You're still vulnerable to make mistakes because we're all humans. And greed is a very easy thing to get caught up in. And when we see rates of return that these other people are getting and we want to jump in and do, we automatically think we can do it too because why not us? right? And so as I look at this, (laughs) one of the best things that you could ever do is be vulnerable with yourself about your money and then also with someone else. And, you know, we're not here sitting, we're not sitting here saying, oh, you should never risk your money. You should never put it in the market. You should never do. There is an element of risk that humans have to have within their life. You have to have some sort of uncertainty going on. And I I typically like to say we all have goals in our financial life. I talk to clients about this a lot. We all have goals in our financial life that we want to hit and we want to go for. But for us to make sure that we get there, we have milestones that we need to make sure that we take care of along the way to increase the security and the success of hitting those goals. And one of the most vulnerable questions that you can ask yourself is of the things that I say that I want in my life moving forward into the future, do the actions that I take with my money line up with those words? Most of the time, they do not. So, two things.
1: One tied to Nate. You know, as Nate's business partner, if you ever start a company, and Nate and I are the only owners of the company, you you recognize how much of a hold lack of clarity of what you should be doing can create on you or guilt, if you will, which we are all prone to experience of choices you wish you wouldn't have made can keep you from being the best version of yourself. Okay. And Nate hit the nail on the head and so did Brock. And I tell men this all the time who ask me my greatest piece of advice. I'm like, surround yourself with trusted individuals that you can be vulnerable with because they will tell you the truth. And they're from the outside of the jar while you're inside the jar. So they can help you read the label you can't see. And that is a huge piece because I can't tell you in my little tax conversation yesterday, in 30 minutes, I got a sense of relief because I had someone I was asking questions to that was outside the jar. And literally 30 minutes, I have been fretting about this for months, and we came up with a solution in 30 minutes, because it's always easier easier to get clarity when it's not your situation when you're not the one trying to solve it by yourself. Uh, it's like going to a great coach, so. Societal norms keep us handcuffed. Okay. Let's just call it like it is. 80 to 90 percent of people, Nate and I were in that, okay, and still have to fight that. We didn't just we didn't just get to separate from it and be free forever. It's a it's a mindset thing we have to constantly battle. Do what everyone else does because it feels good to fit in. And when you fit in. You feel accepted even if you're running off a cliff. (laughs) You'd feel better because you're holding hands on the way down to your demise. And one of the things I've really enjoyed with the circle of people we get to interact with now is they're very comfortable not being accepted as normal. But here's the thing. They're also very successful per societal norms. And everybody's like, Oh, you must get, must've been lucky. You're an overnight success. Yada, yada, yada. No, I'm just becoming willing to think different than the norm. So societal norms, you will talk on this real quick, societal norms, if you start going away from those societal norms, whether it be in faith, family, fitness, finance, freedom, any of those, okay, you're going to get some backlash. So you're really going to have to be sure that you've got a strong support system. So if you don't have one fear and that resistance builds more fear, how often do you guys see that on any level in internally or with anyone that you have the pleasure of working with? And then I'm going to tell a story from yesterday on one of our client meetings.
0: Well, I, I know that one of the things that I say often, um, is uh, and it's a it's just quoting I don't even know who it was that said it but a wise man once said if you want to be successful in life you observe the masses and you do the opposite and uh that is so in line with all the things that we're teaching now and empowering people with is because we're we're separating ourselves there's this there's this um there's this righteous separation that is taking place between us and what everybody else is doing um and Brandon we were talking about this yesterday what a relief it is to know that what we know today is the absolute bottom line or the foundation of truth when it comes to money mm-hmm. there's not a layer below this that we have to that we have to reach we've already we've already gotten there we already have the knowledge we understand exactly how money works and how it doesn't work and now from there we just get to build on that foundation. And uh what a blessing it is to be exposed to the truth. Um but I've heard people say before, yeah, I got money in the market, if it goes down, you know, I'm not I'm not the only person losing, everybody else that's put money in the market's lo-, you know. So it's this idea that yeah, I might be on the Titanic, but I'm not going down by myself. Like how stupid is that?
1: Yeah brock what about you
2: can you ask me the question one more time
1: yeah in your interactions with you know clients of any range just starting the millionaires how do you do you see fear creep in because of those handcuffs or societal
2: norms all the time and it's um it's it can be hard to get past those and i don't know why this comes to mind but there's a story at the end of uh, Mark 10 of a blind man on the side of the road as Jesus is walking into the city and he yells for Jesus to come by. And the crowd's first reaction was basically, hey, shut up. Stop calling on him like you don't, you don't need to do that. Well, he had a choice there to say, oh, OK, I guess you're right. Or he had the choice to continue going on against what everyone else was telling him to do and if you keep reading well he kept doing what he was going to do and he you know jesus came and healed him and oftentimes what i think happens is that fear creeps in of oh you know well nobody else is doing this or why haven't i heard this before oh this sounds too good to be true well how bad does it have to be before it is true and when we are able to take a step back and address the way that we feel about what's going on, and we put ourselves in a position of self-awareness rather than self-consciousness, then we get to make better decisions on where we are moving forward with our money so that it's in alignment with the life that we wanna live on purpose. That's good,
0: well, since you're uh referencing Bible stories, something else just came to mind for me, which is the story of Zacchaeus, right, and you know this is something we learn in, in in Sunday school when we're kids if you're if you have a church background, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, so Zacchaeus climbed up in this tree, he was small, he climbed up in this tree because he wanted to see Jesus. But the reason why he couldn't see Jesus is because there were too many people in front of him. He couldn't see the truth because there were too many people in front of him. Mm. And that is what is happening with most people today. They can't see the truth because there's too many people that are standing in, in the way of truth. And the only way they're going to actually be able to step out of that and see the truth is to do something different, you know, to elevate yourself, so to speak. Um, The way you elevate yourself is by getting around people who have knowledge that is not considered mainstream because mainstream is broke.
1: That's good, Nate. So yesterday, both of those stories tie perfectly into on a potential member call or Zoom with uh, myself and Brock's dad and one of the fun the most fun things we get to do and i'm and i mean this we have the best job in the world is because we are not selling one single thing and your dad always says this if we were accused of selling something it would be peace of mind freedom certainty control with guarantees basically unearthing the truth with questions it's really what it is it's an excavation. Here's all the things that you've done in your life so far. Let's excavate. Let's move around. Let's really open it up. And what do you see? Well, I've done this and I've done that. Okay, you've done the, you've done everything you could. Nobody would ever say I've only done as half as good as I could. Okay, you've done that. That's awesome. So, would you be open to us going on a journey where we ask questions? to potentially show you some things that you didn't know to allow you to become self-aware that there might be a different way to move the pieces that you're already using into a more advantageous way and path that will create a journey that, you know, you want to go on that will get you to where you want to go. And everybody always says, well, I'd absolutely be okay with that. Okay. Because there's no, there's no risk up front. It's only are you willing to learn and be asked questions. So yesterday, you know, we don't get into the numbers a lot, but I'll just throw these out real quick because it was fascinating. In less than an hour and 15 minutes, because he was willing to have questions asked and lots of genuine conversations over the past year, not by changing one single thing about how much money he makes. He didn't have to go make any more money. We found over $25,000 of cash flow. And about one to three million easy, depending on what angle. And that was just one meeting that will come back into his family's life. And it's, and we're just getting started with him. It's probably going to be closer to five to fifteen million, if I were to guess, just by what I know so far. But the beauty of this is, is there's no guessing, because guessing and hope, as you guys have already said, is not a financial strategy. It's not a, it would be like Nate and I sending our four kids each out in the backyard and go, well, I hope y'all figure it out. Go live life. I mean, you would never do that. I hope, you know, it's, there's always teaching and capitalizing and learning and failing and teaching again to raise children. It's not easy, but you always put in the energy and effort. So. Tied to these societal norms, we really have to, as we talked about in a previous podcast, be willing to become self-aware. And That first step may be, where is the highest point of reference that I can get to get a better vantage point, and who might I want to help me ask questions to advocate for me on what I'm seeing? Because when you get up to that new vantage point, and there's always a new one to get to. You're going to see things you didn't understand and don't understand. And you're either going to take the time and the energy and the failures to learn it all yourself, which is going to take a long time. Or you're going to go, who do I know that I have a great relationship with? Or who can I pay okay, to learn from that is already at this level that can go, Oh, you see that way over there? Watch out. This is why I've already been there, done that. I hope you don't have to experience that the way I did. Or you see that group there that is a really good group to be involved with because they create this, which is in line with what your mission is and your purpose. And then you get a chance to find another vantage point. And before you know it, you found your people. Okay. And you've got clarity on this is really what I'm supposed to be doing. So I see y'all both nodding your heads. Nate, tell me some practical one or two practical points that our listeners or viewers could really apply Right now, that would be beneficial to them to maybe start overcoming societal norms if they're not getting the results they know they are capable of getting.
0: So I think uh, the first the first thing that came to mind when you were speaking um, and to answer your question is you need to ask yourself right now, is my philosophy of money aligned with my values of who I am. And that is something that I see so often and something that gets people so excited. And it's something that I experienced. And Brandon, I know you experienced the same thing is once we started operating differently in our financial life, it finally felt like everything was coming together. Like my values were finally aligned with my money. And what happens so often with the people that we meet is their values and their money are not aligned with one another. So there's this disconnect where they have this uh, one line that they are, are walking in terms of their values and, um, you know, just their beliefs and everything like that. But then they're simultaneously, voluntary, voluntarily or involuntarily, participating in a system that doesn't really align with their values and their beliefs and being able to bring all those things together is really, really powerful. And, and we see so often once those things start to align, creativity gets unlocked and they start figuring out, they start, they start elevating themselves and they start figuring out different things that they can do, new opportunities they can participate in and everything like that that are now aligned with their mission. And for me, the most important thing you can ask yourself is my money aligned with my values?
2: Good. Rock, what about you? I think the first thing would be that you have to choose your heart. It's not going to be hard. And mm-hmm. when you're dealing with your money, there's always going to be three investments. Time, money, and change. The easiest one is probably money, because all that is is moving from one piggy bank to the next. Time, maybe a little bit more difficult. But the hardest part is going to be the change. And that's just because you're going to have a paradigm shift in, in the way that you are thinking about your world in entirety. So first, choose your heart and be okay with it. The next point that I would probably make is, take the time to gather your financial documents see them all together see if you can find somebody that can see them all from one standpoint on one one page and i might know a person or two that can do that <laughs> and when you're looking at your money one of the things that you need to taking into consideration is not your seat but the person that's sitting across the table at at the business or the institution that gets to hold your money are they playing by the same rules that they're telling you to play by the answer is no you won't know that until you ask yourself because i know that if i'm the president of the bank and you're my depositor brandon i'm going to i'm going to treat you way different and tell you to do things way differently than how i'm going to operate because the best interest of me is my first priority Mm -hmm. and so take a look at your finances do they align with where you're wanting to go have clarity on where you want to go and take a position of here's what i want here's what the guy on the other side of the table wants or girl now how could i make sure that everybody wins in this situation with the emphasis on me how can i how can i win so brock you know, Mary. Very... Hey,
0: I gotta say this real quick because it came up in conversation the other day. So we are not wealth managers, we are wealth collaborators. And so when we meet with someone, we're collaborating together on how we can both win. And the win for us is that our client gets to win. Because if our client's not winning, that's not a win for us. Mm-hmm. Like we want, we want to create success stories time and time again. So we're wealth collaborators. Let
1: me add a layer to that. Uh, it's a question that we ask, um, that we learned from Brock's dad is if this excavation of your current financial situation brings forth the potential to bring a million dollars or $2 million or 5 million or 10 million back into your life, Mr. or Mrs. Member. Would it bother you at all if we also made the same amount? And the answer is always not at all. Can we double it? Can we triple it? Because the reality is is that when value is provided with no expectation other than we're going to ask questions and you're going to decide what is a priority action step for you. There's no pressure. There's nothing other than Do you want to continue on this learning journey of becoming aware of something different or new or more opportune or not? And it puts that person in the driver's seat. Nate had it said to him this week by someone who knows how to make a lot of money and has tried a ton of different processes, their words paraphrased, Nate, jump in if I forget this or I'm off at all, where basically I have never gone through a process like this. And I've tried them all. That's not tooting our own horn. That is the greatest example that Nate and I have been willing to put our money where our hearts were and go find people who are willing to teach us what they know that have way more experience than we do. We went up another layer or another level on that perspective of tree where we could see clearer. And we're like, holy moly. It's a lot easier to make decisions up here because all the things that distract us are not we're not in the middle of it now. We can see. And that is tied into kind of what all we've talked about today. Of First thing is recognizing there are societal norms that keep invisible handcuffs on us. If you like invisible handcuffs on you and you're comfortable with that, okay, then I'm happy for you and keep doing it. If you don't and you're like, I'm not getting where I know I'm capable of going, find somebody who can help you read the label from outside the jar we feel like we're excellent at it, but we also know many other people in our world that are really good at it too. So, um, don't forget to hit like, subscribe, subscribe, shoot us an email to cashflowlegends at gmail.com. Our goal is to help you become self-aware with our questions and our experiences and what we have, uh, had the pleasure of, uh, doing on a day in a day out basis for many years. And, uh, we'll catch you on the next one i